Well, we are continuing a series, and so we're going to jump into that uh, right now. But before we do, I want to ask you a couple of questions. Number one, is Sunday the approved day of worship? Is Sunday the approved day of worship? Here's another question for you. Does God hate it when I mow the lawn on Sunday? (gasps) Uh Uh-oh. Does God hate it when I mow my lawn on Sunday? Listen, these are questions, and many others like this, they're questions that people in the church ask. All right? Now, those questions need answers. They absolutely do. But when you hear those questions, don't they feel like they're laced with legalism? I mean, we have little problems with questions like this. Should I or should not steal from my neighbor? We don't have too many problems with that, do we? I know we live in a society that's becoming more morally relativistic, but as a whole, we kind of we, we know morally that's wrong, okay? If someone comes to you and says, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm debating an issue here. Is it okay, being a Christian and all, is it okay for me to kill someone? I think we got a pretty good answer to that, don't we? I mean, right. Clearly, y'all know we're going to talk about Sabbath today and half y'all are asleep. So let me ask you this. (laughs) All right. It's not okay, right? But when it comes to those questions, is God going to hate it if I mow the lawn? Is, Is Sunday supposed to be the day where I come and worship? We want answers, but that does just, something doesn't feel right with that. Our series is called Set Free to Live Free. And what we're doing is we're looking at the Ten Commandments. All right, keep this in mind. The people of Israel were given freedom from slavery in Egypt. 400 years they were in bondage to the people of Israel. This is in the book of Exodus. In a moment we're going to turn to Exodus 20. So if you've got your Bible, turn there. But listen, although these people were freed from generations of slavery... They were still living as slaves. They were still trusting in other things than the one true God. Listen, those of us who have turned to Jesus Christ in faith and repentance, turning from our old self and turning to him, we still struggle with how to live, how to live free, and how to live faithful to God. Some of us even today are struggling to break sinful habits and patterns in our life that we've had for decades. Some of us are struggling to love God and love others. Why? Because we have been consumed our whole lives with loving ourselves. Knowing this, God did something amazing. He graciously gave us his law. He gave us his law to show us how to live free and how to properly relate to him and others. So today we're going to look at commandment number four. Commandment number four, which is found in Exodus chapter 20, starting in verse 8. Exodus 20, verse 8. God says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Now we need to unpack what this means, okay? In order for us to to even begin to answer questions about Sabbath, be able to answer questions, what does this mean for me? What does this mean for the church Today, we need to do some unpacking, some some deconstructing, okay? So with that in mind, we're going to deal with seven points today. Aren't you excited? Yes, I'm going to save you money. You don't have to go to lunch today, all right? We're going to go straight to dinner. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. There there, there are seven short points. (laughs) You've heard that before. Uh, Seven points. But we need to unpack. We really need to go to the beginning in order to understand what Sabbath is all about so that we can live in the freedom and joy that God wants to give us, especially when it relates to this term called Sabbath. So in order to unpack it, understanding Sabbath, first of all, it's got to begin in creation. It's got to begin in creation. And so we're going to do a lot of Bible flipping today. We're going to go verse, different verses all over. So if you're taking notes, feel free to write them down. Uh, uh, the verses will be on the screen as well. So first stop we're going to go to is Genesis chapter 2. Okay, the first book of the Bible in chapter 2. So this is at the very beginning, all right? Let's listen to what the scripture says, all right? We're thinking about the Sabbath and how that connects to creation. The scripture says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. Meaning that in chapter 1, we saw God create everything out of nothing. All right, we saw him as y'all uh, Wednesday night. Who's, who was here on Wednesday night? 
All right. So first thing is what? Creation. And then, and then, and then nations. That's right. That's good. You're thinking, what in the world is he doing? You need to come Wednesday night. All right. We are going to have a blast talking about uh, journeying through the Bible. And we're going to do some fun signs. And you will know what we're talking about if you come on Wednesday. So please do that. Okay. But listen, the heavens and the earth, God made it clear that he is the creator of all things. And he did it in six days. And so when you go to chapter two, he says, thus the heavens and the earth were finished and the host of them. And then on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and he made it holy because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Now, please keep this in mind. God is omnipotent. He's all-powerful. The hardest thing that God can or will ever do does not diminish his strength one iota. Okay? He is that amazing. But I believe what God is doing, he's setting a precedent here. He created the heavens and the earth in six days, six literal days, by the way, if you read the scriptures, morning and evening, first day, morning and evening, morning and evening. It's pretty clear. It's literal six days. And so he did that. And on the seventh day, he ceased because creation was completed is what it says. They were finished. So he ceased. He rested from that work. He blessed and he sanctified. He made that day holy. What day? The what day? The seventh day. But at this point, there's no mention of the Sabbath, is there? There's no. It, it's seventh day. Not Sabbath day. Seventh day. So at this point, it's not a pattern for every week. It's just implied. Now, the creation week will set a pattern later on in Israel's history. But we need to understand this before we move on to point number two. Point number two is this. Understanding the Sabbath pictures dependence. See, in Exodus chapter 16, this is an awesome story. Okay, so they move out of Egypt, out of the land of bondage, and out of the land of slavery. And they're going towards this mountain that they're going to worship the one who delivered them. But while they're going from point A to point B, from Egypt to Mount Sinai in the wilderness, people start getting hungry. And keep in mind, they're in desert wilderness. All right? So the McDonald's were not at every exit. It wasn't like that. So the people started mumbling and complaining. And so God gave them a miraculous provision of food Right on the ground every morning called manna. What is it? Well, that's a good question. That's what manna means. What is it? They don't know exactly what it is, but it tasted fine and it met their needs. And so God would provide this manna for all 2.5 million people. That's amazing. He did that every day except one day. Let's read on. In Exodus 16, 22 to 26. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much bread. Okay, normally just enough for the day. Some people, by the way, disobeyed that and they, they got a little stingy and so they, they gathered more than they needed for that day. And on the next day, they went to open up their snack because they didn't want to go outside and work. And when they opened it up, there were worms, there was mold, there was, it was nasty. God said, don't do that. Do what I say. I'm going to give you your daily bread. But look on the sixth day though. God does something amazing. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much, two omers each. And when all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, he said to them, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow is a day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. This is the first Sabbath in the scriptures, Exodus 16, the first Sabbath. He says, bake what you will bake and boil what you will boil. And all that is left over lay aside to be kept until morning. So they laid it aside until morning as Moses commanded them. And it did not stink, nor were there worms in it. God protected that. He honored that. And Moses says, eat it today, meaning the Sabbath day. For today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it. But on the seventh day, which is a Sabbath, there will be none. Understanding the Sabbath... Pictures, dependence. Church, we need to hear this. 
Sabbath uh, pictures dependence upon God. This right here in Exodus 16 is the first recorded Sabbath day. God himself would provide for his people on that day of rest. And listen, that took faith. That took faith for you to say, Honey, I'm going out to work today. No, I'm not. I trust God to take care of this. I trust God. Although I want to work and I feel like I can do this stuff on my own, I'm going to, I'm going to reflect on him. I'm going to rest, rest in him today. I might miss some money. Chick-fil-A, how much money do you think they lose by closing uh, one day a week? I have no idea. But for some reason, they're one of the top chains in all the country. Just saying. I'm just saying. So God was the one who would provide for them. That took faith. I have a question for us Christians. Did everyone trust in God at this time? No. Because in Exodus 16, look at verse 27. On the seventh day, that's the Sabbath day, right? On the seventh day, some of the people went out to gather, but they found none. What an indictment. This right here is a picture of a lack of faith in God and a total faith in self. I got to work seven days. I got to provide. I have got to do this. I have got to be the one who takes care of all things. I am the one who needs to keep this world spinning. If not for me, all would be lost. That is called false worship and idolatry. Did you know that your work can be an idol? Did you know that your work can be a God to your life? Listen, some of us worship our work, our career, money. Some of us worship our self-sufficiency. We do. Some of us, we can't take a sick day. Even though that could be an indication from God telling you you need to take a day off. God takes this very seriously. And we could do that. We could worship our work. Now, wait a minute. Worship, that's a little too far, don't you think, Scott? Because if you worship something, for example, I worship God, so then I give a sacrifice of my time, my talents, my testimony, and even my treasures. Work? Come on. I don't worship it. I don't know. You worship what you sacrifice. And let's see here. Do some of us sacrifice our health for our work? Do some of us sacrifice our family for work? Listen, my kids, they, they want the toys. No, they don't. They want you. And it doesn't matter what they want. They need you. Some of us sacrifice to the altar of our career, the church. Oh, now you're meddling, preacher. <laughs> no. God calls us to gather together. God calls us to come together to honor him and to build each other up. And some of us see church as an extracurricular activity. And so we sacrifice church. We sacrifice our spiritual growth. I I put a little bit of money in the plate, but I don't have time to spend time with God on a daily basis. No, I don't have time for that. I got to work. Some of us sacrifice our small group. Some of us sacrifice that time where we can share life with people, get the, the information, get the knowledge, get the wisdom that we need. We forsake those things for the almighty dollar that ever gets taken away from our hands the moment we receive it. Many of us will sacrifice our relationship with God and others on the altar of our work. Yes, you may gain the whole world, but at what cost? It's been said many times, 
You're not going to be laying on your deathbed saying, I wish I would have worked another day. But you will be saying, I wish I would have mended relationships. I wish I would have spent more time with Sabbath is a call to dependence. God, although you provide everything you call me to gather, but there is a day when I'm not even to do that. I am to rest and reflect on my relationship with you and others. Sabbath is a call to dependence. Number three, understanding Sabbath acknowledges it, this whole Sabbath thing acknowledges it as an Israelite commandment. In the book of Exodus, God is doing a new work in the people. Okay, keep in mind, there were, there were nomads, all right, with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. Nomads. God was walking with them as they were, you know, basically just farming and, and uh, surviving, so to speak. But when they came into Egypt, they became a nation And as they left Egypt, left slavery into the freedom that God wanted to give them, God gave them a new work. He gave them a nation. He gave them even a new calendar. Exodus 12.1 talks about that. I'm going to totally redo your calendar. This is the first day of the rest of your life. This is the first month of my people. And so the basis of a new week is to be taken from the example of the first day of creation. Now we're tying in number one. Number one with number three. Listen to this. Exodus chapter 20, verse 8 through 11. This is our verse for today, our key verse. As he gives the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20, verse 8 and following, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it, you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. Meaning that this this day off was not to just be celebrated by you or even just the Israelite community. But if you have guests in your home, even if they come from other nations, you don't work. And you tell them, hey, don't work today. This is to be a day of rest a day of reflection, a day of recreation. Let's just celebrate this moment. Can you imagine what other religions would have thought of this? No, 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 no. It's all about work, work, work. I got to work in order for my God to love me. And we say, no, the work has already been accomplished by our God. And today we clearly see that in Jesus Christ. But I'm jumping ahead of myself. Exodus 20. Verse 8, he says this, For in six days, for in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. And he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day, and he made it holy. At this point, God turns seventh day and turns it into Sabbath. Instead of it being a number, it becomes a mission, a rest. It becomes, it becomes something for us to call, something for us to live out. And at this very point, in the Ten Commandments, is when the Sabbath becomes a command. It becomes a command for the people of Israel. God blessed the day of creation, the seventh day, because he rested from his work. God blessed the Sabbath in a similar way, and it was to be a rest from our work. Brings us to number four. Told you we'd go through this pretty quick. Understanding the Sabbath reveals the heart of the command. Now we've kind of built some facts. Now let's get to the heart of the command. And that is to remember. Deuteronomy chapter 5. Long story short, here's what happened. In the book of Exodus. I've already explained this, but let's do it again. They leave Egypt not as slaves, but as free men and women. Okay, freedom still struggling with their sin nature, they meet God on the Mount of Sinai. He gives them the Ten Commandments. And these commandments are to bring freedom to us, not bondage. But in the midst of us uh, walking through the desert, we forget that we are free. And we get scared of other nations. God gives them the promised land. All they had to do is go in and take it. And they got scared because the people seemed bigger than them. 
They, they seemed mightier. The, the, uh, the cities seemed to have had tall walls. And so they were scared. And they trusted again in themselves instead of in the God who had already given them that land. And so because of that, there was punishment. They were to wander in the desert for 40 years. Everyone 20 years and older would die. So at that point, that was the age of accountability, I guess. So all the people 20 years and older at that time would end up dying in the wilderness. Now those people who were under 20, guess what? Now they're older, (laughs) okay? 60 years old, you know, whatever the case may be, and under. And so these people are now about to enter into the promised land. And Deuteronomy chapter 5 is the Ten Commandments said to a new generation. And in this, we see the heart of God in the Sabbath. Listen to what it says in Deuteronomy 5.15. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. Remember, these were, were kids, And now they're adults. You remember, I know it may be tough for you to remember. You were slaves in the land of Egypt. Some of you weren't even born yet. And now you're adults. Remember that you were a slave in Egypt. And the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and with an outstretched arm. Therefore, why? Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Now we come full circle. Now we want to understand what Sabbath is. Here it comes. The very point of the fourth commandment is tied up in the very work of God. Remember me. Remember me. There are so many things that that your mind, your attitudes, your actions, your hearts are going to be drawn to that will pull you away from me. Take this day and remember me. Take this day, rest and reflect on God who is the one mighty in hand who brought you out of slavery. And church, listen to this. And let him continue to bring you out of slavery. Let him continue to bring you out of slavery. He left them out of a physical slavery. But every day we need to be reminded of the spiritual slavery that we have been freed from. And he reminds us of this at the very beginning of the Ten Commandments. Exodus 20 verse 2. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Because of that, because of this church, commandment number one, worship me alone. To worship anything else is going to lead you into a false life and an empty future. Number two, don't underestimate me. Don't make an idol. Every, every way we try to to somehow describe God other than the scriptures is always going to come up short. You cannot try and redefine perfection or you will destroy it. So number two, do not underestimate God with idols. Number three, do not undermine him with our words. He is holy. To describe him any other way is vain, is empty. And number four, Remember who I am. Sabbath. Rest. Reflect. Relationship. The Sabbath observant reflects on God who is the freedom for our slavery. It looks forward to the point where the people of Israel were to go into that promised land and receive a rest. The problem with going into that promised land and receiving rest was they never fully felt it. They never fully received it. In Hebrews chapter 4 verse 8 through 10, the scripture says this, for if Joshua, who was the one who led them into the promised land after all the wanderings, for if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works. Which God did as God did from his. What this tells me is I need another point. Number five. Point number five. We need to understand that the Sabbath 
recognizes limitations to the command. There are limitations to the to the Sabbath command. We are not going to receive the rest that God wants to give us by obeying this law right here in ourselves. It's not possible. Listen to what uh, Exodus 31, 16 and 17 says. Therefore, the people of who? Israel. The people of Israel shall keep the Sabbath, observing the Sabbath throughout their generations as a covenant forever. It is a sign forever between me, God, and who? People, yeah, y'all are experiencing Sabbath right now. I feel it. Rest. You're enjoying life. Okay, yes, the people of Israel, that in six days... The Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day, he rested and was refreshed. There are three limitations to the Sabbath for us as believers in Christ. Number one, the Sabbath command, the command was limited to a people group. It was an everlasting covenant between God and Israel. Number two, the effects. The effects of the Sabbath were limited. They were limited to this. Physical rest for one day. Guess what happened on, uh, on Sunday? Had to go back to work, right? Had to go back to work. So that rest was very temporary, very limited. And number three, it was limited in its application. And this is where we come in. If you're a sinner, say, yep, that's me. Okay. The rest of y'all, wow, y'all are amazing. Okay. <laughs> The application is this. We as humans have this great propensity to take something simple and make it very complicated. Amen? I mean, seriously. God gave us rest. And what do we do with it? We make a whole lot of laws about rest. Are you kidding me? Take a nap! Well, you know, I, I got this going on. I, you know, just relax, reflect, build your relationship. That's our problem is the application. So we make all these crazy laws to protect, to protect ourselves. And what do we do? We enslave ourselves. The Sabbath becomes a burden, not a blessing. That's where the people of Israel are. That's where they're at today. Kenny has told me this before, and I've heard it from other pastors as well. You know, when you go into Israel, you know, you can't get cabs. You can't do all this stuff. Elevators crack me up. What I keep hearing about elevators, there's two elevators. There's a Sabbath elevator, and then I guess there's one for Gentiles, okay? People who don't care. On the Sabbath, this, the, the Sabbath elevator is lined up across the building because here's why. You can't push a button. That's work. So that elevator... On the Sabbath day, is programmed to stop at every floor so you don't have to work. That's weird, and that takes forever. I heard of a pastor who, once he realized what was going on, he went into the other elevator because, like, hey, I'm a Gentile scum. Why not? So he goes in there, and then all these Israelites come in to that elevator and say, hey, would you mind pushing this button for me? Would you mind doing that? I mean, they thought, well, since you're already, you know, in trouble with God, go ahead and help us out. I don't know, but that's insane. Talk about slavery. And how many of us as Christians still live in that slavery about rest? I'm going to be honest with you. And I think people, some of y'all feel this as well. Sometimes I feel guilty when I take a day off. That's not from God. Now, if you take a day off you know, five days a week and you only work two, that, that's between you and God. You got to work, okay? Work is worship. Rest is worship. But I do. I know sometimes in ministry, we're, we're scared to take a vacation. We are, because here's why. People come back to us, oh, you only work one day a week, now you're taking, <laughs> you know, that, that's, what, that's what we get sometimes. And, and it, it makes us nervous, People may be talking. I'm just being honest with you. And some of y'all feel that way at your work as well. You go in. You may be a manager or something. You take a day off. What do you, you know, when you're away, the, the mice will play, that kind of thing. And, and you're nervous about taking off, thinking, what is my boss going to think? What are my coworkers going to think? Do you understand that that is, that is satanic guilt? When God has given us the privilege of rest? 
We don't understand rest, and that's why we need Jesus all the more. Which brings me to number six. Understanding Sabbath shows Christ's role in Sabbath. And the answer is he's the fulfillment. Listen, 1,400 years after Moses, Jesus, the Son of God, steps into our world to fulfill the law that you and I could not. Every bit of it, every civil, every ceremonial law, and every moral law is fulfilled in its completeness in Jesus Christ. Matthew 5, 17, as he's giving the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, do not think that I come to abolish the law or the prophets. I didn't come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. God does not sweep sin under the rug. God does not do that. God does not overlook. Here's what God does. God says, all sin is going to be paid for. Every bit of sin will be paid for. Now, it'll be paid for by us or by Christ's finished work on the cross. Those are the two options. You can spend eternity paying for your sin, or you can rest in the one who has already paid it for you. So he says, with boldness, I did not come to abolish the law or the prophets. Not to abolish, but to fulfill And because of our confusion about the Sabbath, here's what Jesus does. He comes down from heaven and he clears it up for us. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12. This is so amazing what Christ does. Because boy, we mess it up. Not just Pharisees, even us as well. Jesus says, Matthew chapter 12 verse 8 through 14. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Now, there's a lot to unpack there, but just to make it short, here's what what Jesus is saying. I'm the lawmaker. I am not bound to the law. The law is bound to me. I mean, that's power. That is power. I am the originator of this law. I am the Lord. I am the master of the Sabbath. So because he said that, you know what the Pharisees should do? They should do what we do. Let's shut up and listen. And what I mean by that, we need to just stop and say, everything that I think about the Sabbath, everything that I understand about God's law, I need to hush, sit back, and say, you have have the mic. How many of us do that? How many of us really stop and say, you know what? I've got a lot of opinions, but I should listen to God since he's the creator of it all. He's the originator. He's the author of what is right and what is wrong. I need to stop having my opinions and start listening to his word. And so Jesus says to those who were confused, and there were a lot of people confused, even within the church, the temple, for the son of man is Lord of the Sabbath. So then he went on from there and entered into a synagogue. And the, and the man, and a man was there with a withered hand. Okay? Picture the scene. It's the Sabbath. Don't work today. Okay? That was the, uh, the law of God that became uh, a law of man. They came up with all these rules and regulations of what work does not look like. Are you kidding me? Okay? That's insane. So this man was coming and he had a withered hand. And they asked Jesus, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath. So they might accuse him. And here's what Jesus said. Which one of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath will not take hold of it and lift it out? Of how much more value is a man than a sheep? Picture the arrogance and the legalism of what's happening here in the lives of church people. Jesus, is it okay for us to heal a man? I mean, healing, I know is a good thing, but Sabbath, come on. You know, we got, we got rules, we got law. And J- Jesus says, if any of you had a sheep, pet, animal, whatever the case may be, if you had a sheep and it fell into a hole, and you knew that if that sheep stayed in that hole all day, it would die, you would do the right, the moral thing. You would grab that sheep, you would pull it out, 
to get it out of danger and into safety. That is the right thing to do. That is the heart thing. How dare you? How dare you say in your mind that sheep is important, but a someone made in the image of God is not? You're going to allow this man with a withered hand who probably can't work or work as well as other people that may have whole hands. You're going to deny this person healing because of your rules? I mean, that is almost as bad as saying, save the whale, kill the unborn. It doesn't make sense. And so Jesus says, so it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Let's say that together. So it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, the man with the withered hand, stretch out your hand. And what happened? The man stretched it out and it was restored, healthy like the other. What's also, the next verse 15, it said, and the Pharisees were very mad at Jesus. (laughs) Isn't that crazy? But you know, that's how it is in church. There are a lot of times when we experience Christian freedom and we celebrate that freedom by witnessing to people that don't look like us, by coming into church and celebrating in ways that you're not familiar with, instead of rejoicing in the God who saved each other, we get stodgy, we get frustrated, we get judgmental. We're exactly like the Sabbath breakers. The Sabbath keepers, but they're really breakers because they're breaking the heart of God. Folks, we need to celebrate the rest we have in Christ, and the freedom that we have in Christ. So what I see here is that Christ is the definer of the Sabbath, not man. He is the fulfillment of the Sabbath. Look at this. Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30. Jesus says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. That's what he has called us to from even the Ten Commandments. Rest in him. Trust in him. His burden, his yoke is light. It's easy. It's simple. He's the one who brings rest. He's the one who brings healing. And yet, We mess it up every time. Which brings me to number seven. Understanding the Sabbath shows our role, man's role. That's us. What is our role in the Sabbath? Here's the answer. The Sabbath is a gift from God to you. It is a gift from God to you. In Mark chapter 2 verse 27, God says, this is Jesus Christ. He says, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. What Jesus just did at that moment, he just basically went to the Pharisees with their whole book of laws and ripped them in half. That's exactly what he just did. Because the Pharisees, and sometimes our mindset, is that we were made for the law. No, no, no. The law was made for us. For us to experience the freedom God always wanted us to have. And we have made it, we have turned it around. We've made it so backwards. And Jesus said, the Sabbath was made for man. It was made for our benefit. We're not to benefit the Sabbath. Because of Christ, listen, this is very important. This kind of brings us to our our end thoughts here. Because of Christ, you and I are not any longer bound to the law for salvation. We're not bound to the law But God has given us a gift, and we would be wise to use it. And here's what I mean by that. Is the Sabbath commandment binding on us today as believers? I fear saying this because I fear you're going to take this and forget everything that we've said so far. Just like people always come to me and they they want me to give the one sentence answer. Do you believe in drinking alcohol? Dude, we need to sit and talk for a while, you know? And it's the same with this Sabbath. Is it okay for me to mow the lawn or not, you know? Calm down on Sunday. Calm down. This is so important for us. Is the commandment 
of Sabbath binding on believers today? The answer is no. It's a command for the Israelite community. But the principle very much applies to us. Very much applies to us. And for those of us that are already starting to get, you know, I don't, I don't, that, that, that doesn't feel right. I get it. I get it. Okay, there are a lot of things that I still hold on to that the scripture clearly says, relax, Scott, and I don't relax. Okay, we're, we're all there in some areas. Okay, but I, I want God's word to just kind of speak to us on this issue. Okay, Colossians 2, 16 and 17. Therefore, Paul says, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food, drink, or in regard to a festival, or new moon, or a Sabbath. These, the the Sabbath, the new moons, the festivals, food and drink that we were to do or not to eat, whatever, those were a shadow of the things to come. But the substance belongs to Christ. What that means is this, I'm not bound to the law of Sabbath. As soon as that sunrise goes down, I mean to stop what I'm doing, you know, and, and, and somehow I got to rest now. I got to take a nap. You can't force yourself to take a nap. It's hard to do. Okay. That's not even resting. Okay. But listen, what this tells me to do as a believer is not treated as a commandment, but as a gift. Now I do not have to rest in my ev- never ending work. I don't have to try to rest in that because I never will. But what I can do is I could rest in Christ's finished work me. And I could do that every day, not just one day. Which Paul would say in Romans, one person, Romans 14, 5 and 6, he says, one person esteems one day as better than another. You only worship on Sunday. Really? Then you are depriving yourself of your relationship with God. Yes, Sunday has been the the time that we have chosen to gather together. Sunday morning, 10.30 a.m. for this worship experience. But that, that cannot be your only time of worship. You are missing out on your relationship with God. All right? So it's okay if, if a church worships on Saturday night. It's okay if Tuesday night, whatever it takes, come together to worship. The scripture says the person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. Do it for Jesus. Don't be bound by the law, thinking somehow it'll give us a right standing with God. Instead, rest in Christ. But church, enjoy the gift of rest. Enjoy the gift of rest. Well, okay, Scott, what does that mean practically? You know what? I'm not going to give you a whole lot of practical here, because this is something between you and God. Some of you have certain convictions one way or the other. Rest in that. Rest in that. But for me, myself personally, I'll just say this. Can I mow the yard on Sunday? Please listen to me very carefully. Can I mow the the yard on Sunday? The answer is, yes, I can. Me personally. Okay, if you feel convicted to not do that, don't do it. Because the Bible says that's sin to you. Don't do it. But to me, yes. Now here's the question. Will I do it? I might if I absolutely need to, but I will not make a habit of it because I love you and I love other believers who may have a different conviction to which Paul would say in 1 Corinthians 8, 9, but take care that this right of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. So I'm not going to come parading. Here's what I can do. No, I'm going to rest in Christ. I must do that. So let me close with this. Church, we are not obligated to the law of the Sabbath, but wisdom and dependence cause me to rest. I've got to depend on him. I've got to reflect on him. I've got to build my relationship with God and others. Let me just break that apart. Number one, reflect on Jesus' work. Rest implies dependence, right? Rest implies dependence. How many of you are depending on God today? That's a question you need to ask yourself. How many of us are depending on God to keep the world spinning, not me? Rest in him. Take a day off and rest. You know what's interesting about America? How many days off does the normal person have? Two, right? Weekend, not just 
weekend day. No, it's weekend. You know how that happened, by the way? A little fun fact for you. Up in the world until that time, there was at most one day off. Sometimes it was all seven days that they worked, okay? The only reason why America adopted a two-day weekend is because when people came to America and the factories, there was a fight between the Jewish people and the Christians on what day to take off. So they finally threw up their hands and said, fine, have the Sabbath, which is a Saturday, and Christians have the Lord's Day Sunday. Ta-da! That's how you have two days. But God calls us to work six days. Okay? Uh, in, In the Old Testament, you know, speaking of that area. And you know what I think is absolutely amazing? I wish our nursery and our children's workers were here right now. Our sound people, our audio-visual people, our praise team, uh, the people who have put together this worship experience for you. You know what they have done? They have said this, God has given me two days off. I'm going to spend one of those days serving Jesus. And they deserve our honor and our respect. So I wish our our people in the nursery can hear this, but those who are in here now, who are serving now, I just want to say praise God for you. Thank you so much for taking a day. Not to say, eh, it's my two days off. I'm going to, you know, no. They gave it to Jesus. And we need to commend them for that. But also not just commend, we we need to go alongside them. Our nursery needs help. And we have a privilege of being part of that ministry. So I encourage you in that. Okay, second thing we need to do is we need to, we need to build our relationships with our church, with our family, and our neighbors, okay? Listen, some of us will do work that takes us away from them things, and you are the one losing. Your family is the one losing. People matter most, right? The only thing coming up to heaven is people, right? So we need to invest in them, not our work, We also need to have physical rest. Again, we're not obligated, but ignoring rest is foolishness. That's why a lot of people are dying earlier than they should. I'm not going to get into all the details there. You know the statistics. My policy, I'm just going to tell you as pastor here at Buck Creek, my policy is this. Um, Because of what I said earlier, there's there's almost like this this pastoral guilt of taking a day off or, or a week off. You know, right now, all the staff have the, the years of service to where they get, I think, four weeks off, okay? And what I've come to find out, that they may only take one or two a year, and that's not healthy. So you're going to notice that every quarter, one of our staff members are going to be off, okay? Blame me for that. That's me. But I love them enough, and I love the ministry that they do enough to where, according to Scripture, they need some time away. Okay? Now, this is not to in any way knock your jobs or anything like that. But I know them, and I know myself, it's a 24-7 thing. And they carry a lot of times not just their own family weight that we all carry. They carry a lot of your weight. Okay? And they need that time to get away with them and Jesus and with their family, who many times are ignored because of this ministry. So that is my policy. If, if you know... If you love it, go hug a staff member, okay? If you don't like it, then come to me, okay? Come to me, don't come to them, come to me. It's, it's my fault, okay? All right. So not only do we need physical rest, we need redemption rest. By faith, we receive that. Because of what Jesus Christ did, one commentator says, we no longer have to labor in law-keeping in order to be justified in the sight of God. Jesus was sent so that we might rest in God and in what he has provided Hebrews 4.3 says, For we who have believed have entered that rest. Have you entered that rest? Church, guests, have you entered that rest? This is the whole point of Sabbath, to drive us to Jesus so that we can experience the rest that God always wanted to give us. I'll prove it. In this last verse, set of verses, here's what the scripture says. Hebrews 4, 8 and following. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. That's us. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. Listen to verse 14. Since then, we have a great high priest, Jesus Christ, who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. 
Okay, our, our trust, our faith that Jesus Christ is the one who saved us. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Because of that, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. Why? So that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Have you stopped straining to be good enough if you haven't come to Jesus? Have you stopped struggling to fight a losing battle? Come to Jesus. Have you started resting in Jesus Christ, who is our victory, our hope, our peace, and our rest? Let's pray. Father God, we come to you as weak, worn out, burned out people in need of your rest. We need that physical rest every week. But God, we need that spiritual rest every second of our lives. And God, you provide that for us. You've given us a pattern for us to be wise to follow. But God, you have given us a savior to free us from sin, death, hell, guilt, and shame so that we can carry a a yoke that is easy and light so that we can be people of great joy and freedom. Father God, my prayer is that for your children today that they would experience again anew and afresh the freedom, the Sabbath, the rest they have in you today. By giving up those things that they have begun to trust in, just like the Israelites who began to trust in themselves and their own strength and their own wisdom and their own might and their own skill, but instead help us to rest in you. And Father God, I pray, I desperately pray, if there's somebody here who has no rest, that they would come through the Son of God for a peace that can only be found in Him. May your perfect will be accomplished, God. We give you glory. You are the Lord of our lives. You are Lord of the Sabbath. For it's in the name of Jesus Christ we praise and pray Him.